so I believe all of you in here have been here for at least an, uh, another uh, week of what we've been doing uh, here at LFC throughout this semester, and that's a series called Rooted, uh, Identity in Christ. And uh, as I've mentioned this before, this comes out of um, a uh, prayer that uh, Paul prays for the Ephesians and the book of Ephesians. Uh, in the beginning there where uh, he, he says, you being rooted in the love of Christ, I pray that you will know the glorious riches of Christ, the wonder of Christ, what it means to really be uh, people who are grounded and have everything um, in our life and in our identity found in the person of Jesus Christ. And so we look at that and we say that that is what we want to be. That is our, uh, that's our goal as people who claim to be disciples. And who are disciples? People who simply follow in the way of Jesus. And so, uh, so we're working on all kinds of different um, um, identity statements uh, throughout this whole semester. I am this, I am this, I am this. Uh, and what it means to explore that, what it means to pursue that, what it means to become that as people uh, following in the way of Jesus. And so uh, tonight we're going to venture into um, what I think is some of the most difficult territory when it comes to being people who follow um, in the path of Christ. Because the path of Christ, if we know, if we know the story of Christ, we know the ministry of Christ we know the life uh, that Christ uh, went into and out of. We know that it wasn't always beautiful, was it? It wasn't always pretty. And really, rarely was it something that was just uh, exalted and glorified, right? He lived a life uh, that had one difficulty after another after another, uh, one humility after another after another, until ultimately what? I mean, it just didn't have a really beautiful end, did it? He went to the cross. He was crucified on the cross. Now, the glory in that was what? The resurrection, right? He came, uh, his, uh, he came back uh, after three days and, and proved the glory and the power and the majesty of God in his life and his ministry, right? But his life was not without a difficulty. Now I want to ask you, and I think you already know the answer to this question. You probably already even know where I'm going with this question. When it comes to the question of God in this world, the concept of God as the world as a whole considers the idea of God, what is the number one question that is raised when it comes to the validity of the idea of God. What do you think it is? Say that louder. Why do bad things happen? And why do you think that that question is one of the most pressing questions from the world at large? Right? And why is that a problem when it comes to the idea of God? Yes. Yes. What we have at its, at its core, at its root, shall we say, 
is the idea that we like to promote, that we like to believe in, right? That God is a good God, right? God is perfect, God is all-powerful, and God is good, okay? So if we like that idea, what we have over here is this fact, right? This undeniable fact that terrible, evil, awful things take place in the world, which creates what? Suffering. Suffering exists in the world. And so if there is an all-powerful, all-knowing, uh, omnipotent God over here who is good, then why does suffering exist if suffering is not those things? And so we have the conflict, right? That's a conflict of ideas. Um, and I think, I think in the reality, it, it's one of the uh, biggest barriers to faith in God and accepting uh, belief in God uh, from people at large. Um, now, I want to give you my answer uh, to that, to this question. Why does suffering exist if God is both good and all-powerful? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you this answer. Um, if you want to get out some paper or pen and write it down, uh, you might want to keep it on you. Um, I find that it's, a, uh, it's an answer that I have for probably many things when it comes to God, and it is this. I don't know. I don't Why do good people, innocent people even, often suffer death, disease, injustice, crime, starvation, poverty? I don't know. I wish I did, but I don't know. But we find that this is a question that is, there is nothing new about this question. This question has been raised. This question has been wrestled with. Uh, this question has been um, asked and worked on by the greatest minds in uh, theology and philosophy and religion uh, forever. And it was even a question that was raised to Jesus himself. And Jesus had something to say about this. Now, Jesus, in the midst of his ministry, um, he was approached uh, by some people in the 13th chapter of Luke. And I, I encourage you to go back and read the context of all these things we're going to talk about tonight. And if you want all my scriptures, I'll give them to you gladly. And in Luke chapter 13, some people come to Jesus and they raise the question of this thing that had happened. So we have this character, Pilate. Who was Pilate? Anybody know who Pilate was? Anybody know anything about Pilate? Yes. He was, he was the governor uh, in Judea at that time. And so we, we, we see Pilate, uh, where else? Where else do we see Pilate? 
<laughs> in Jesus Christ Superstar. Perfect. Uh, correct. Um, we also see Jesus, uh, or we see Pilate, uh, in the uh, in the trial of Jesus, when Jesus goes to uh, is he's betrayed by Judas, he's arrested, he's taken, uh, and he he ultimately comes before Pilate, right? So that's where we see Pilate in his big role. But Pilate uh, Pilate played a huge role in in this area of Judea, and uh, apparently something big had happened. We don't know much about what happened because there's there's almost no reference to it anywhere else except for right here where it's talked about. So we don't know any of the details. But apparently, uh, Pilate had done something really, really awful to a number of Galileans uh, by mixing their blood in with uh, some sacrifices of the Jews. Now, I, why that was, what that is, what happened, we don't know. But apparently, a, a whole bunch of, of otherwise innocent Galileans suffered immensely at the hand of Pilate. And so uh, these people come to Jesus, and they said, Now there was some present who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? Now what, what's the assumption that is, that's in that uh, that's in that question from the questioners that Jesus addresses. What's that? Okay, you suffer because you sin? Yeah. Well, what? It's, it's the, the, the implicit question in there is, what did these Galileans do that caused them to suffer in this kind of way? And Jesus said, don't think that they were worse sinners than anybody else because they suffered this way. I tell you, uh, I tell you, unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them, right? A tragic accident that took place in Jerusalem. The tower of Siloam, for whatever reason, it fell over. It toppled over, and it killed a bunch of innocent people in its way. 18 people, in fact. Those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them. Do you think they were more guilty than all the others in Jerusalem? I tell you, no, no. So right here, Jesus himself is dispelling any kind of notion that suffering is because you've done something wrong or you're not good enough or there's some sinfulness or you have caused suffering, right? Jesus says, no, no. What else is implicit in this answer? Jesus himself saying and affirming, unfortunately, that suffering happens. Suffering happens. Bad things happen. So Jesus offers no reasoning as to why bad things exist in the world. Man, we wish we did, right? Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that just wouldn't that solve a lot of problems if Jesus himself would give us some kind of reasoning as to why bad things happen in the world? But he offers no reasoning, nor any explanation as to why God doesn't stop them. 
what he does do is he acknowledges it and he disconnects it as a function of the righteousness of people. So bad things happen to both good people and bad people. And he even affirms this in Matthew. Matthew chapter 5 is a part of the Sermon on the Mount. He says this line I think is very powerful. He, God, causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, but also he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Now, does this answer any questions for us? Probably not in any satisfying way, right? But Jesus himself says, bad things happen to everybody, and that is the way of the world. And God acknowledges that. Okay? So suffering happens, and suffering happens to everyone. And God himself is aware of that, and Jesus Christ acknowledges that. So Jesus knows this. And what he does that I think is very significant for us to understand is that he never, (laughs) and I know this is not entirely encouraging, but bear with me. Jesus never promises that suffering won't happen. Won't happen. He never promises otherwise. And what he actually does is he declares blessings on those who are willing to face suffering and willing to deal with suffering, willing to manage suffering. Even in uh, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, back to Matthew chapter 5, he, he wraps up that first part of the Sermon on the Mount where he's, he gives the, the famous blessed are, right, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, blessed are the merciful, right? Blessed are all these people who we think are not necessarily the strongest people or the best people or the most successful people. But he says, blessed are you. And he wraps it up at the end with blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So Jesus says, even if, even if you are mine, it's probably very likely in some kind of way you are going to experience persecution. You are going to experience suffering because of me. Right? So even in that way, Jesus is kind of like a bringer of suffering if you choose to go after him, right? Where's the, where's the encouragement in that? Sorry. Um, it's the way it is. Yeah, there you go. Thanks, Bree. We need that. We'll have a Bree break every now and then where Bree will just go, woo! How about that? Kind of bring us back to smiles. Um, don't worry. Follow me. We'll get there. Um, but Jesus says suffering is such a, uh, such a reality that it's even a part of, probably, for many of you, what it's going to be like to follow me. So I'm not promising you any way out of your suffering in this world because suffering happens to everybody for whatever reason God has for that. But blessed are you 
if you suffer because of me. So Jesus' idea of discipleship, following him, was to emulate his life, right? Um, that's what discipleship means, right? The disciples were the followers, the people who go in the way of Jesus, in the path of Jesus. And that's everything we're talking about this semester, right? So what did Jesus himself do? We've already talked about that a little bit. Well, ultimately, he suffered. Jesus Christ suffered. And he, he, he promises this in a way. In Matthew 16, verse 24, Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Well, what is the cross? What's the cross? Death, right? Man, we're just getting better and better here tonight, right? The cross is death. Take up your cross. Carry that cross. Some of us have done the stations of the cross in here before. We'll, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll do that again uh, this spring. A powerful experience. And it's even a live experience you can do in Jerusalem. If you go, you follow the path that Jesus took through Jerusalem while he was carrying, literally carrying his cross, right? And it's, it's a powerful experience of what Jesus went through, what Jesus was willing to do for your sake and my sake. But what that was was suffering, right? So to follow Christ is to say, and I know, I know I can say this really easily. I know the words can just come out. But I want you to hear this because it's probably one of the hardest things to actually live and actually believe and actually accept as a disciple. To follow Christ is to say, I am willing to suffer. To follow Christ is not to say, how do I get out of suffering? Or how do I understand suffering? Or how do I, um, how do I get relieved of suffering? It's actually saying, I am actually somebody who is willing to accept suffering. And that's a hard teaching. Jesus taught stuff like this and he lost a bunch of people because he said, that's why we can't do that. That's not what we're after. This is not the life. This is not the encouraging. This is not the best life now kind of message, right, from Jesus where, where when you, you put faith in Jesus, you put yourself into Christ, you uh, take the, the path of Christ that Jesus is taking and everything will be good for you. Everything will be blessed for you. Everything, you'll get what you pray for. You'll get what you want. You'll be, uh, you'll be showered with blessings in this life. Jesus says, no. If you follow me, you'll probably know even more suffering than you've already known. Ah, man. That's not what I'm after. That's not what I want. But... 
That's the life that Christ is calling you to. And there's going to be something in that. Don't worry, we'll still get there. <laughs> I, know, I know I'm taking you through the, through the ditch here. Uh, sorry. <laughs> but I am willing to suffer. I want us to be able to say that I am willing to suffer because, because I trust God. I am willing to face the prospect of suffering, the experience of suffering in my life, because I trust God. This is why Jenna talked about uh, what she did last week. Um, that was really kind of part one of what we were going to talk about tonight, because we need that foundation, right? If you haven't, if you haven't, if you missed that, uh, go go to the Facebook, go to the website, uh, and listen to what Jenna had to say last week about trusting and a life of trust and what it means to to place trust and to be somebody who trusts in God, and because there is a depth to that that is powerful, powerful to our lives. Because the question when it comes to this is, do you trust that God knows exactly what he's doing and why? Do you trust that? Is that the God you follow? One you know is doing exactly what is right and knows exactly what he's doing and knows exactly why he's doing it. Because if you believe that and you're following in his way, then whatever takes place is exactly what is willed to take place by God. And I know that's complicated, and I know that's, that's tough, and I know there's lots of nuances to that that we can discuss. But God's will is perfect. This is what we talked about last, last week. God's will is perfect, and his way is perfect, and his wisdom is perfect. And if we believe that, then we can trust him, and we can follow him, and then we can say, if that path includes suffering, I am willing to face that because it's what's right. And I'm willing to receive that. I'm willing to go through that because that is God's path, right? Do you trust in God's faithfulness to you? Because that's another thing about trusting God is that he never, he never, never abandons you. He never goes away from you. He never leaves you. He never is away from your side ever. And if you trust that, then the path that you take is going to be exactly right with him. But it may be hard. And it may be hard for his reasons, or it may be hard just because that's what happens in the world. But no matter what, God is by you. And if you trust that, you can say confidently, I am willing to face whatever God has me to face. And this is where we go to some of the most beautiful poetry ever, right? We read this and we say it, and it's be kind of be a part of our Christianese, unfortunately, but there's power in this because this is exactly what David is talking about in the 23rd Psalm. And you probably even know what I'm going to say, right? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will what? Fear no evil. For what? What? 
yes, for you are with me, right? Exactly right. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And this is not, this is not, okay, we're going to do this again. What does it not say, right? We'll do this all the time. What does it not say? You you pluck me out of the shadow of the valley of death. You, you, you come in like a rescue helicopter and lower that down and lift me up and fly me off to the top of the mountain where I sit in the glory and the light and the wonder and the beauty of God all the time. No, I'm going through the valley of the shadow of death and it's probably got a few more miles to go, but I can do that. I can face that. I'm willing to do that because I know you are with me and your rod and your staff and they comfort me and because of that I can fear no evil. I am willing to suffer because I trust God. I am willing to suffer because I am ready to grow. Romans 5. Hear these words from Paul. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Man, that sounds amazing, right? We boast in the hope of the glory of God. That sounds like that mountaintop, right? But not only so, we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know, we know, that's a powerful thing to say, right? He's kind of speaking for all of us. We know that suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We glory. We don't just endure our sufferings. We don't put up with them. We don't just uh, experience them with some existential understanding that it's going to be okay somehow. We glory in our sufferings. Have you ever gloried in your sufferings? I don't even... I'm working on that one. To glory in your sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. I'm going to read this progression to you again. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. So what's, that, what's the mathematical kind of, uh, if we're going to put a mathematical property on this, perseverance ultimately equals what? Hope, right? Your suffering produces perseverance, which ultimately creates hope in you. What kind of message is that, right? That is a completely upside-down message from anything that we are given in this world that says your hope, this is saying your hope comes from your sufferings, right? What did Paul know about suffering? <laughs> This is easy for him to say, is it? 
2 Corinthians 11, I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from the Gentiles. Been in danger from the Jews, been in danger from the Gentiles. Who's, who does that leave? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. And Paul says, all of that is to the glory of God because it produces hope in me. I am willing to suffer because I trust God. I am willing to suffer because I'm ready to grow. And I'm willing to suffer because nothing compares to the promise that is being made in me. Paul again in Romans. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing. And what is suffering to him? An entire paragraph of life-threatening situation. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the child of children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration. The creation itself has experienced suffering, not by its own choice, not because of its not because of anything it did, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. As people who are disciples, we live in the promise that is given to us by God himself that everything will be made whole. Everything will be made perfect, and this is the life and the eternity that awaits for you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? If you believe that, then there is nothing in this world that will take away from that. There is nothing in this world that will overcome or destroy that promise. There is no suffering that will take you away from the glory that is promised you in God through Jesus Christ. And that is our hope, right? So our present sufferings, no matter what they are, are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. That doesn't take away from the seriousness or the reality of anything that you're facing that you're, that you have gone through. But Paul says, keep your eye on the path because it is taking you to a promise that will go beyond anything, anything that you know right now. So why do I have to go through the divorce of my parents? 
why do I have to deal with this constant depression? Why was I raped? Why was my friend killed? Why am I left to deal with the suicide of the person that I loved so much? Why did my life plans unravel before my eyes? Why am I sick all the time? Why did I have to lose that relationship? Why was I betrayed like that? Why isn't anything going right for me? I don't know. I don't know. But there's something I do know. That there is a promise given to you. And there is a God walking with you. And there is a community around you that is absolutely faithful to you. And will go with you through these things. That will grow you through these things that will produce perseverance in you through these things, that will grow character in you through these things, that will lead you to hope through these things because you can trust God in everything and he is taking you to something he has promised that will outweigh any of this. Do we believe that? I hope we can believe that. I hope it can become real for us. I hope we can help each other to grow in that so that we can say, that's my identity. That's who I am. And when I face suffering, I know I can do it, regardless of whether I get to understand it or not, or the whys, right? Um, and that's what we're there for each other to do. And that's why we have this community, is to help carry those burdens for each other as well, because we know how real they are for us. They're just as real for everybody else in this room. And the power of God works through that in amazing ways, if we will do that for each other. So let's go to God now in prayer, and we'll continue our worship. Father, there's a lot of questions we don't know the answers to. And if we're honest, we'll, we, in this life, we know we'll never really know the answer to them. We struggle with them. And um, like, the, like the man in Damien's story at the beginning of worship, um, I do believe, help me to overcome my unbelief. And it's very easy for things like suffering to lead us down the road of unbelief. And, there's, and it's for good reasons, Father. And we wish it wasn't that way. We don't want it to be that way. Uh, but we want to be a, be a people who have that faith in you, to have that trust in you, to know that despite these things, the reality of these things in the world, and we don't know why all those things are in the world, why we experience the things we do, why we see the things we do. But you've made a promise to us in that, that you go with us through that, that you use these things, you grow us in these things. You're faithful to us through these things, Father.
even when it seems unjust. Um, and that you lead us to a glory that's beyond anything we can ever imagine in this life if we walk your path. Help us to do that. Help us to help each other to do that, to carry these burdens, to carry the things uh, that we suffer with, that we are under the weight of in our lives, um, and to extend that grace to, e to, to others and to each other. Father, we're glad to be here tonight. Um, and this is heavy. It's not, it's not uh, just very light or encouraging in some ways um, to face these things head on. But they're real, Father. Help us to be real with you and with each other. And we pray this right now in the name of Christ. Amen.